the internet, and welcome to season 149, episode one of The Daily Zeitgeist, a production yeah. of iHeart Radio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers, fuck uh, Fox News, fuck uh, Rush Limbaugh, fuck Buck Sexton, fuck Ben Shapiro, and fuck hey, hey, hey. Tucker Carlson. I have sex. <laughs> it's Monday, August 31st, 2020. My name is Jack O'Brien. AKA, I don't wear a mask because I'm dumb. Uh, that is courtesy of Christy Amaguchi, Maine. And I am thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co host, Mr. Miles Gray. Some Trumper once told me face masks don't really help me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. She was looking kind of dumb with no source of real income and a MAGA hat on her forehead. Well, the chills start coming and they don't stop coming. Felt a loose stool and I hit the bathroom running. Did it make sense not to go to Sturgis till your brain gets hot and fever emerges? So hard to breathe, so much fatigue, so now I can't smell or taste a thing. You never be sick if you don't go. You only had to wear a mask, you know. Hey now, you're a spreader from a Smash Mouth concert. Hey now, you got COVID on a ventilator and all that shit you were told. Only gonna keep you from growing alone. Okay, now that was an AK. It wasn't even written for this show. <laughs> that was written by, I believe, let me just pull this tweet up uh, from Eric Champanella. And it was. Brought to my attention by at J Repco Paul from the Zeit Gang. Thank you so much for that one. Champ Nella. Uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious, the talented Hallie Kiefer. Gentlemen, you know, it's crazy. I had tickets to Sturgis and I was I was just gonna head out and I thought I can't <sighs> be the person. You yeah, know, yeah. I can't be the one who brings it. So I hope everyone had a great time. You know, see you next year. Word. What are you what are you riding? What kind of hog are you riding on these days, <laughs> Hallie? Oh man, you know, just a big hog. I was gonna try to bullshit. I don't know anything about motorcycles. <laughs> Just, I, I definitely went with a sidecar. If I have a motorcycle, I say you got to go full sidecar with the wind goggles, a leather oh, cap, yeah. and a scarf. Ooh, a big long scarf. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I remember I asked to ride in a sidecar for like a birthday when I was a kid. I was like, oh. all I want is I want to be in a sidecar uh, because yeah. I feel like it was in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah man, this is dope. Like Sean Connery's <laughs> hiding in this sidecar. Uh, never got that ride, though. Did so Billy Robin and the Adam West one riding motorcycle and sidecar? I feel like that's, Robin, that feels right. Yeah, it feels right, but I don't know if that's true because that seems very a bad look for any superhero to be in the sidecar. Like that feels too. Yeah. It seems like Robin should have his own like bird cycle or whatever. Is he named after Robin the Bird? He must be, right? Um, Sam's Robin Leach, I believe. Oh, yeah. oh, Robin Leach. <laughs> I, I do like as a kid, you were still like you tempered your expectations. You weren't like, I want to ride a motorcycle. You're like, I'd like someone else to ride a motorcycle. And I'll be <laughs> well, sitting I... in a chair attached yeah. to it. Going yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> sitting a little. Not ready for that cycling stuff. <laughs> yeah. All right, Hallie, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about today. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, pandemic friends. Uh, the yeah. sequel to Kanye West's Real Friends. Mm-hmm. How uh, many of us? We're going to talk about uh, Hollywood Hills parties facing legal trouble. Uh, we will talk about uh, Sturgis briefly, uh, just what the latest we got is. Two Kanye tracks going on. We got No More Parties in LA. Uh, uh, yeah. We got Pandemic Friends. <laughs> this is the pandemic life of, Friends. Right. Of pandemic Pablo, Pandemlo. Yeah, those were both the uh, singles that he dropped before Life of Pablo, too. Those yeah. were the first two songs. Um, huh. Okay, got a theme going. He was on to so something. next up is uh, D- Donald Trump for president, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so we got uh, we got Smash Mouth, Smish Mouth coming at you. We are going to talk about Becky Falwell, man. Oh, gosh. Wow. wow. Yeah. More... Uh, I guess, accusations coming out of the woodwork from uh, young men. We are going to talk about 1BR uh, and The Lost Husband, 
the two Netflix uh, top 10 top teners that we rewatched. Hallie, did you watch either of these? Um, you know, I have not completely finished one one bedroom, but I, I've uh, been enjoying it so far. And I've I had never heard of The Lost Husband. And now I, I Googled it. I was like, how did I not know? But yeah. you'll, te- you'll tell me whether it's good or not. <laughs> I will. How did I miss this? <laughs> well, it's the most watched movie on Netflix of August. Damn. Uh, and it is mostly footage from uh, depression and allergy uh, medication <laughs> ads is, is what it kind of looks <laughs> wow. like. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it's really strange. It really is indistinguishable. And then there are some car ads thrown in there. And at one point they're gardening, so there's an arthritis ad, also uh, arthritis medication ad. Um, I would have thought the algorithm would have brought this to me based on that, like allergies and depression. I, yeah. I should have been shown that right. as soon as I went on Netflix. But it sounds like based on you guys's uh, feedback on one bedroom, uh, that there are some similar themes at work about uh, cities and the evil that mm-hmm. lurks there. Um, so we'll talk about that. I've had a very specific view of what this film was trying to say, but I think Ooh, that's okay. just me being goofy and the you know plot being nebulous enough that I can bend it to be whatever I want it to be about. Bend it like Beckham, uh, footballer, <laughs> right? Thank you. Thank you. Oh, yeah. We all remember that movie. Great. <laughs> yep. Worth uh, a rewatch. Sorry, I'm a big football fan, uh, as you can tell. Because I know who Beckham yeah, massive. is. <laughs> massive, massive mate. football mm-hmm. fan, uh, massive footy. supporter. What club yes. you support, mate? Oh, uh, all of them. <laughs> Barca, Barca? Yes. is that one? <laughs> all the, <of> them. <laughs> the the Nymets are my favorite squadron. <laughs> uh, but first, Hallie, we like to ask our guests, "What is something from your search history that is revealing about who you are?" Mm-hmm. So um, I, I did tweet about this uh, for my ser- uh, Google history. I just uh, Googled the words Kevin Smith. I didn't, I, I didn't, what I really was looking up is Kevin Smith, the director, yeah. uh, lost a lot of weight eating a vegan diet. And I've mm. been sort of thinking about, so I wanted to, I wanted to watch a video encouraging me, you know, to, to eat a vegan diet. And I just, but, but instead of Googling that, which would have been more helpful, I just Google his name and thought, well, maybe it'll come up. And it gave me some information, one that he had died, and uh, and then, the, so that was sort of like, when did he die? How did he die? Kevin Smith, the director, is not dead, of course. Okay. I was like, uh, but, but Google is giving me these answers, and also all the photos that Google's showing me are of Kevin Smith, the director. And so it said um, he died in, I believe, uh, 2002. And then it, the third question down, you know, it says, like, people also ask, it says, why did Kevin Smith die? Which I thought was like a very strange way to put it, even if he had been dead. Like the <laughs> why? why of it seems bo- right. definitely. It's the first question a lot of us ask after but someone why? dies. Why? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then they just said the word accident, and I was like, so not only does it say he's, he had died uh, decades ago at this point, but then he had died of an accident. And then I tweeted this, and someone said, oh, it's actually um, an actor who was on Xena the Warrior Princess. Who also happened to have, which is a, Kevin Smith is a, a very common name, of course. Right. But it's just interesting that like yeah. there was no clarification. There were not full sentences. Like Google did not say, right. oh, d- were you talking about this actor who died two decades ago that I'm sorry to him, but I can't imagine people are Googling that often. Right. Or do you mean the still living film director? <laughs> so it was just sort of like, had I not known, I'd be like, oh, well, Kevin Smith, the director died. That's too bad. Why? Yeah. Oh, it says accident. I don't need to know any more information. <laughs> accident. Great. You know, that's all I wanted. So I think that for me, it was like, first of all, my Google search was dumb, but also I got bad results. So I think that's that is where I'm at uh, yeah. as a person. Yeah. Right. Sometimes when I'm exhausted, I will uh, do some sloppy Googling just because like I know it's sloppy and I'm just like, oh, fuck it. Just give me give me the distraction. <laughs> I sloppy crave. Googling. Yeah. yeah. Do a little sloppy Googs. Little slop goo. I tried yeah. watching that like Kevin Smith, the like Jay and Silent Bob nude thing that came out recently. I could I <laughs> look, I fucking love the View universe. Okay. I was right. all about that shit when I was in like middle school or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, when you're like, oh, this his movies are sick because the dialogue's so fucking wordy that you know he went to college. Um <laughs> whereas like now like watching this reboot, it was just like so frightening to see Jason Mewes look old, 
uh, Brian O'Halloran looked so old, Kevin Smith, and I was like, this is so, and just please just do other things now. I can't look at y'all like this. You were my stoner idols, and now I'm like, this is the fate. <laughs> you just become a sad old guy. But, but I think it's interesting. It's like now we live, like that's, that's what every show and, and film is about getting these beloved actors and actresses and, and figures back. And we were, I just watched Sunset Boulevard for the first time because I hadn't seen it. And it was like, wow, Norma Desmond now, they would be clamoring for her to have like a network drama or like a, a, like a network a, a primetime soap or something. Like, if anything, she'd be back on top of her game just because we're having these like, oh, people that, uh, you know, care, personalities that people love, now they're like Picard or whatever. Like, they're being brought right. back, you know. Or right. a massive reality show, like the Osbournes yes. meets Grey Gardens, I feel wow. like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I'd watch, whoa. and we'd all watch it. Wouldn't we all? Or I would like watch a, the, the fuck out of yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Sunset Boulevard is a great. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say it holds up. Uh, <laughs> check it out. <laughs> uh, what is something you think is overrated? Um, oh, uh, all this talk about we're gonna go to Mars, like oh we're gonna colonize Mars. It's like first of all, I'm sorry, no, we're not. Like we're, it's not gonna happen. And if it is, it's not while any of us are alive. And then two, you think that Mars is so great? It's like here, but way worse. It's going to be the stuff we have to do to make Mars as good as Earth is now. It can't, I, I just don't believe it. So I feel like <laughs> the idea of going to Mars, everyone's like, oh, yeah, we're going to. I'm like, no, we're not. Like, we can't deal with climate change. There's no way we're going to be able to, like, end up going to another planet. We don't. We don't. Ha we're not there. Right. Maybe in 100 years. We're not there now. You know? Yeah, thinking Mars will be like Earth is like the alien kids equivalent where like the alien kids are like, Mom, we want Earth. We want Earth. She's like, we have Earth at home. Cut to <laughs> right, yeah. Mars. Right. Right. Yeah. And they're like, ugh. I mean, kind of, but this ain't it, Mom. Yeah. Like, I just feel like we can't do the work to maintain Earth. Why would you think that we could go and make another Earth on Mars? Like, it, does, it doesn't line up with reality. Right. Mars but overrated. We just keep ruining. We just spread out and ruin new, new and uh, beautiful lands. That's, yeah, we that's fill our... the stars with our garbage. We right. leave our all of our one-use plastics <laughs> out on the stars. We don't feel comfortable we until there's a garbage gyre on uh, Mars. That's right. We're right. Good. And Elon Musk has yeah. his fucking convertible jettisoned into space now, and that's right. gonna probably crash oh, into yeah. some fucking planet. They're like, <laughs> watch. That's gonna set off the next interplanetary war. Is when his car fucking lands on some <laughs> spaceship, and yeah. they're like, it was sent from Earth. Yeah, the they just find his keys in there. I subscribe to the Star Trek uh, version that aliens know about us. They're just like, we're not fucking with them yet. They need to get their shit together. And then like once we get <laughs> right. reach a yeah. certain level of uh, technology, they'll be like, okay, we'll, we'll acknowledge our existence. But uh, I have them. a feeling we will turn the red dot on Jupiter into a garbage jar before that. Um, yeah. And then they're never going to talk to us. <laughs> they're never going to. We're always going to be... They'll be like, yeah, we're here, but we would rather not hang out with you guys. Y'all yeah. aren't. Um, by the way, I was uh, I was wrong about the rods from God. We had talked about that on a recent episode. Uh, they were not a Nazi weapon. They were a 1950s weapon, but they would work. People have figured that out. Uh, tungsten rods dropped Wait, from outer one? space. Remember, I was talking oh. about those giant rods. Oh, when you're dropping, yeah, like poles from space. Oh my poles God. from space. They, yeah, the idea was dropping tungsten rods from outer space, and they would really destroy the shit out of a planet they were, or a uh, country or oh a boy. chunk of land they were dropped on. So that's a possibility. Jesus. That's always yeah, out I there. Yeah, I imagine. Um, Did you call them rods from God? Rods from God. People, <laughs> wow. I got. I got just demolished by people rushing to uh, correct me on that fact. Oh, um, History Channel gang came for you? History yep, Channel yep. Twitter came for you? Yep. Yeah, but I appreciate it. I only vaguely remember it. And now, uh, now I can do a little research on rods from God. Fascinating. Uh, God. <laughs> Hallie, what is, uh, what's something you think is underrated? Um, I would say the pleasure of a, of a fresh sock. Socks are underrated. <laughs> And I feel like as a child, obviously, Ooh. it's like you don't want to get socks as a gift. But as an adult, like one of the old person things I, I get to enjoy is like just a fluffy sock, a clean sock. Put it on your foot. It changes your whole day. Yeah. It's just so nice. Yeah. If, you're, if you're a little bit cold, put it on a sock. You're good to go. Socks yeah. are the new shoes in quarantine. 
We don't. I haven't. Right. That's yeah. yeah. I. That's a good point. Yeah, we're all gonna end up wearing like you know how babies like baby shoes are just socks that look like shoes. That's yeah, they what we're have a have. little. Yeah. They have a little, a little grip uh, on the bottom. Tread, tread on the bottom. Uh, the right. first time my kids <laughs> wore uh, socks without the grip was, I, I was not prepared for how <laughs> unprepared they were for that. They were just, just like, ice skating around all over the fuck. <laughs> yeah, it just a good sock. I got the winter. It's I think two winters ago. I I I really embraced like the sock yeah. in terms of being like, this is actually essential. And it's cause I have a lot of like athletic socks that I wear just mm-hmm. to purely not sweat in my feet on my shoes or whatever. But I have like these, like, you know, I started messing around with like, like almost like blanket soft socks yeah. and shit in the winter. Mm-hmm. Woo! Mm-hmm. It really yeah. is like to your point, there's something <laughs> about when you're like, you move your toes and you're like, damn, this is like a fucking, like a luxury car or some shit but from my foot. Yeah, I was just I was thinking about like, I mean, this is also like my age, but I remember like being in my early 20s and just buying shoes at like Urban Outfitters or whatever. And if I never wore socks, all of my shoes smelled. If you get those little knot socks, like they always fall off, at least when I wear them and roll up into a ball in the toe. And I remember just like right. walking around my feet freezing in like cardboard shoes that fell apart. And now it's like, <laughs> why did I live like that? Like I wouldn't now I want the highest quality sock. I want to like have feel Comfort, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Um, the myth is that if you get rabies, you will definitely die. And the myth, I'll debunk that because we have a protocol called the Milwaukee Protocol that um, now if you, so basically if you get bit by a, you know, bat or something like that, you can go and get a prophylaxis. But if you don't go to, the, but if you don't know or you don't realize and you go to the hospital once you have rabies symptoms, for the most part, you will die. Like, there's just nothing you can do. But there's a doctor who, yeah, I'm sorry, I got bad news. Yeah, if you get bit by a bat, I was reading about this online, and it's like, the number of people who are like, oh, yeah, I was bit by a bat, and then just, like, didn't tell anyone or go to the doctor, guys, knock it off. Yeah. Or, or a raccoon or a possum, any kind of uh, woodland animal, yeah. just go. Just call, go to the ER. And then, so basically, uh, this doctor developed something that's called the Milwaukee Protocol, and they it was sort of on necessity, like, uh, this... A girl came in who had already was already having rabies symptoms, which usually is fatal. And so he developed something called the Milwaukee Protocol, where essentially they just put you into a medically induced coma for a month. Oh, right. And then they revive you and hope that sort of the effects of rabies have, has passed out of your body. Because uh, usually what kills you is the effect of the virus. Like it's not uh, like if you could survive the initial um, symptoms, then you could potentially live. The problem with this is that it does work, but it only works about um, one, like one out of four people. Damn. The rest of the time, you're just not. It's just over. Yeah. So the myth you're busting is not that rabies is a bad time. Rabies is still a bad time. You, yeah. You, you don't recommend it. Uh, two stars out of five. Don't uh, do it. I might even give it one, <laughs> right. honestly. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But I'm, saying, but I'm saying, yeah, if you get rabies... You what the myth is you don't necessarily it doesn't mean you're going to die. It means you have to go immediately get put into a coma right. and, and see how it rides out. Yeah. So it means um, a good shot, you might die. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. no. The 100%. one thing I just do want to say, uh, because my mother is a card carrying member of the American Opossum Society, uh, it's very rare that possums would have rabies. Right. Extremely that's a great rare. point. Thank thank you so much for bringing that up. It, it is very unlikely. Yeah, it's, possum it really Twitter. Like, my my mother will listen and she'll be like, Possums are don't have it. That's they have a bad rap. Uh, so yeah, yeah they can well, get they, it. Any mammal can yes. get it, but it's extremely rare yeah. for possums. Yeah, in America, it's usually bats. In other parts of the world, like sometimes it's like yeah, that's what dogs I was just or stuff. But yeah, it's usually bats. So if, if a bat is even near you, if you find a bat in your house, just go in. Like, I, I, there's don't fuck around. <laughs> don't fuck around I'm, with rabies, guys. That has always I, been my my <laughs> instinct <laughs> is to get the fuck away from bats. They're such scary creatures. Yeah. Oh. Do you think people who get bit by bats, they don't tell anyone because low key they're like, man, maybe some, you know, I might get some new skills yeah. or some, some new, and then they're like, oh, my new skill is just shaking violently and feeling <laughs> right. Cold. Yeah, my then new skill is I can't drink water anymore. Right, right. <laughs> they go watch something Batman about it. Just kind of does something like, to me oh, when I see shit, that one. That's not how he got it. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's not his origin story. Shit. <laughs> yeah, that's terrifying. I used to. Uh, when when I was growing up, our house, multiple of our houses in uh, Wheelan, West Virginia, had bat problems, mm-hmm. and 
I would wake up in the middle of the night and be like, there's a bird in my room again. And my dad would have to like chase the <laughs> bat out of the house with a uh, tennis racket. Oh, yeah. I grew up um, like in Northeast Ohio. I, I, I feel like a bird or a bat got in the house every other week. Like they yeah. were constantly like if you left a door open, they were getting in and uh, we had to chase them around with like a laundry basket and, yeah. and, and, and try to capture them. I know. Well, uh, shout out to Ohio and West Virginia. <laughs> Shout out to people who leave their shit open all day where animals can get in. I'm like, what the fuck? Ain't no bird getting in my house ever. But it's also because it's so hot <laughs> now. Like, you'd never leave your door wide open or right, windows yeah. like wide open with no screen. Ours Absolutely were in the not. attic. Ours were. Uh, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. They were coming in through. Well, well, I thought you lack. said there's a bird in your room. Oh, but then it would get into the house from the attic. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. We had, we, we had a big snake problem. The snakes would get into the basement and then crawl up through the heating ducts into the house. That is, yeah. Oh my god! There's always and what you would just watch them emerge from the floor, and you're like, uh, snake. snake." One one time, my brother, my youngest brother, was coming out of his room, and he looks down like at the heating register on the ground, and there's just a snake coming out of it and looking at him. And it wasn't like a poisonous snake or anything, but that means that snake got from the basement to the second floor of my parents' house through the heating ducts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, snake problems are a real thing. I, our house in Missouri uh, had a snake, th- like it had like a little bog behind it, and oh, there yeah. were just snakes all the fuck over the place. It was very <laughs> disturbing. Big bog um, problems. Yeah, yeah, big bog problems. That's right. Uh, BBP. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk pandemic friends. And we're back. And I feel like there's some underrated ways that the pandemic is probably affecting our lives uh, that, you know, because of the whole uh, frog sitting in a pot of water situation of like, we're just doing it every day. And also we have the news there to distract us that we probably aren't fully realizing it. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of those I think is friends. I mean, yeah, yeah. I feel like in the first week, I was trying to contact every single person mm-hmm. I knew. Like yeah. somehow, like that was my first remedy. It was like, hey, man, that dude <laughs> I used to be in a band with six years ago. Like, what's up, man? What are you doing? Oh, cool. Uh, all right. See you later. Uh, you <laughs> well, know, like at first, I was really like trying to be like, oh, this is a great time to reconnect. But there's there's a lot of research talking about, you know, how a lot of um, evolutionary biologists and sociologists are looking at how just sort of this our our disconnectedness is you know what the ramifications are to our social ties and you know just you know going from the beginning monkeys humans like when you're measuring the quality of a relationship there it's all it's measured by how likely a fellow monkey ape or human is to step up and defend you and that depends directly on the time invested in that person mm. or animal so a lot of the things like okay so that makes sense and we realize as we are sort of quarantined there's a lot. It's been harder sometimes to maintain friendships just because like it's it, you can't really keep up that same amount of time as you used to when you're sort of out and about and it was easier to socialize and things like that. So now they're seeing like while some may be deteriorating, there are also people who are like reporting that they're forming new relationships or new friendships because of quarantine, whether that's like with a neighbor who like you talk to over your fence or just out in your front yards or, you know, whatever, maybe a coworker lives nearby and it's just easier to socialize at a nearby park or whatever your backyard, that these things are all kind of uh, like evolving. And, you know, one of the effects of this is going to be that there will be new relationships and there'll be some older ones that have been replaced by these new relationships because like the upkeep is just a little bit harder to do. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it, the concept is sort of understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, do I have new, I don't really have new neighborhood friends. I see more people more often that live closer to me, like walking mm-hmm. distance. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 For sure. Walking is a, as, as we discussed walking, having a moment guys, having a moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I've replaced any friends with new friends because I didn't have friends to begin with. So true. <laughs> uh, that's not happening, but I definitely 
could see that happening were I the type of person to, uh, you know, have a the real person who I've forged new relationships with is myself. I think. Oh, is what I'm <laughs> beautiful. Uh, yeah, lonely. Yeah, uh, I guess I feel like the only person I really feel like I've become closer to is the guy who works at the liquor store near us. Mm. And I, cause I, you know, the first couple months I saw him and that was it, you know, in the liquor store, not only is it a liquor store, it was, um, in the beginning it had toilet paper, like it had all this stuff. Cause it was just sort of this corner store, you know, everyone's running to the supermarkets and, and drug stores. And this was like, Oh yeah, we have some stuff. And I got to know him. Do I know his name? No. Does he have an identical brother who also works there? And I could never tell which one I was talking to. Yeah, also true. Oh, but is that all, true? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it's funny. I can only tell because his brother is much less talkative and like not interested in being a friend. Like he's just not friendly right. in that way. And so I'm like blah 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 blah, and then he'd be like, "Oh, okay." I was like, "You're the other one." And also, they have you know they, we all have masks on, so like I feel like normally I'd be able to figure them out, but you know. Right. Yeah. Um, but the, but the friendly one, he clearly like we both are, are people who just want to like talk, talk, talk. So he's like telling me about his mom and his father and and his cousin who works in Silver Lake. And then we moved. And so now we we live not too far away, but far enough away that we're not going to go there that often. And I was like, oh, yeah, like we weren't friends, but we were a touchstone during the pandemic that likely unless I'm go, I have a reason to go there. Like the I guess like the research is saying is like. I would have to then go out of my way to befriend him. And like, I'm not going to do that. I, you know, I just, I just know I won't. So, right. I, but, I, I, but I did feel bad. Like when I we moved, I was like, well, that it was nice to always talk to him, you know, a couple times a week even. And, and that was it. So it, I guess, yeah, it does make you um, think more consciously about how do you maintain friendships? And like, especially now it's like, are, are there acquaintances that you're then going to try to re-up into friends or are they just going to kind of be like, maybe we could have oh, been friends, right. but it's, but we kind of missed the window, I guess. Right. Is there a promotion? Is there a, some friends <laughs> get promoted, others get relegated to the second yeah. division? The other thing is like they're in France too. They were there was a lot of studies going on specifically in that country about how the lockdown was affecting sort of people's social bonds. And then another sort of phenomenon was they were called re- relationship funneling, which is basically like a huge survey. They were like of people they found this effect to be actually occurring. And so essentially, what they're saying is. That while some friendships were prioritized and even strengthened through care and increased communication, other more marginal connections just fizzled out, like just mm-hmm. naturally. And I think that also makes sense. But tied to that is that a lot of the things are like, well, don't worry if certain relationships don't like sort of you, you don't you're not as strong as you were before pandemic because they say that capacity remains to obviously reconnect mm-hmm. once all of that happens. But things change. And also just with the level of digital communication that's also been like another big complaint that like, while other people have such strong relationships, like we all have friends where it's like, yeah, we make the zoom stuff work, the FaceTimes work, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, that it's just not quite there. And it's the biggest thing that people miss now is obviously just human contact. Yeah. yeah. So you've noticed that it's that funneling feature miles, like with the, cause you, you are among the more active socially on, on zoom of the people I know, like when, when, things first kicked off you've noticed that that's kind of scaled back yeah because i think what happened is like in the beginning it was easier to treat the pandemic like weird government mandated summer like indoor yeah. camp or something right. mm-hmm. and you're like I'm your cabin. what are you doing all day oh what are you gonna cook yeah and then you're like oh god the <laughs> country is in nearly irreparable shape at this point and then like i think then people's realities kicked in and we weren't getting as social but Every now and then we're like, yo, we got to talk. Like, can we do a Zoom call? Uh, and we do that now. But yeah, I, I, I definitely think that there are people who maybe I would have talked to more that I just haven't because of all of this. Um, and yeah, who knows? Maybe they're just haters. And that's why we don't, you don't hear from me. So <laughs> yeah, um, the, I've found it really useful to just meet up with my friends at these Hollywood Hills parties I've been going to. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. they're, they're Great, actually yeah. pretty chill. And, pretty uh, chill? Great way to, because like up there, it's cool. Nobody really wears a mask or anything like that. You just get to like talk to people like like normal. Um, yeah, like yeah, really close. Yeah, like yeah. six it's inches like, apart. Uh, you realize how much you just miss it, you know, like being in a cipher, passing a joint around with a bunch of people you don't know. <laughs> I'm just right. like, oh, oh man, uh, no. So Hollywood Hills, like L.A., just can't stop finding new ways to create super spreader events. It seems no. like. We've talked before about the parties in the hills 
and, you know, basically reinventing the speakeasy, except uh, people are dying. That yeah. sort of thing. Uh, and some people like aren't even doing like the finesse part of a speakeasy where they're it's like low key, like some yeah. just out in the open, straight up ragers with like right. music <laughs> blasting, fucking DJs with amplified music. It's it's a lot. And uh, like so there was one specific house we were talking about these two TikTok celebrities, Bryce Hall and Blake Gray. If those are their real names. No. Um, they <laughs> first like we talked about how Garcetti. <laughs> was going <laughs> to essentially shut down water and power to like houses that were caught partying. So this TikTok house, uh, party house, they got hit with that first one. Uh, they had the water and power shut down because they were just dude having these huge parties again during the pandemic. And then now it's, it sounds like uh, the mayor and city attorney are announcing like possibly criminal charges uh, for people that are um, having these parties. Uh, which is really interesting because I've not seen charges yet for Officer Tony McBride, who shot and killed <laughs> Daniel Hernandez back in April. Um, and maybe that's because she's the daughter of an influential member of the police union. And the DA, Jackie Lacey, is very chummy with the police mm. union. So let's vote her out in November. But it's interesting that that's where the mayor's like, okay, yeah, obviously parties are a terrible idea in the pandemic, but like the speed at which they're like, yep, let's just. Let's just let's just nip that in the bud while other people like we've got also a lot of injustices, too, that we're also really concerned about, Mayor. But OK, do you, sir? Mm. Yeah, um. it really speaks to the power of like um, like the call from the neighbor to the police. I'm imagining like in my mind, the reason these are going to shut down so fast is like they are also surrounded by other wealthy, yeah. predominantly white, influential people. So it's sort of like, oh, like, like the it, it is like as an American, you have to understand the power of just being the neighbor. And I think it's like the different situations that you as the neighbor have to decide is now the time that I, as the neighbor make the call in this case, I, you know, I feel like this having a TikTok party house, cause I was reading about it too. I feel like this is like some sort of psychological experiment to make these kids go insane. Cause like, right. they're all super young. Like it's just these houses filled with like, suddenly wealthy um you know like social media celebrities yeah. i'm like somebody's gonna get stabbed or something like i it's just it's just not like you need to interact with normal life and like normal uh, people in reality and right now literally physically you can't but then also now you're siloing yourself the whole thing's a bad idea you know yeah. like the parties are just the beginning of it like that i i think this is like like we were saying earlier, like a Grey Gardens like type of <laughs> For Norma Desmond. Some, once TikTok you put something in a Grey house, Gardens. yeah, that's what that's what my concern would be. Is like this this seems real bad. And I did the, the Savage Challenge over there. <laughs> I remember that. It's like oh no. Yeah. Well, speaking of super spreader events, uh, it is now you know the initial reports out of Sturgis was that no new cases. A couple here, a couple there. Yeah, but everything no, was cool. No, nothing big. Yeah. And and now that uh science is actually getting a look at, you know, what the numbers and where people uh who are testing positive these days got the disease from or were exposed to people who were covid positive, they're finding that at least uh 100 cases are coming from Sturgis and all spreading all across the country. Uh, and, you know, specifically the Smash Mouth show uh, has been implicated in that. So uh, <laughs> we we had the audio from the lead singer of Smash Mouth being like, fuck that, we're all here together. <laughs> and uh, that doesn't work, apparently. I was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, Shout out to those fans that are, they put it all on the line for Smash Mouth. Yeah. Uh, it's really, I'm, yeah, it, it, I can only imagine where this goes and how much worse it could get. But yeah, this is, uh, this is one of those things like, yeah, we saw this shit coming and y'all were really acting like it was all good. But I guess maybe they think, you know, you have 480,000 people mm -hmm. right now, it's just a hundred cases. And then like, you know, you're like, well, <laughs> where's Dr. Fauci now? I thought right. it was bad. He's uh, he's yeah. under oh, general God. anesthesia. Under... Let's, let's okay, okay. Let's there. make some decisions. Go, 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 go. I just didn't know if you had talked about it at some point, like how they were uh, tracking like cell phone data right. around Sur Sturgis, which is its uh, own terrifying idea yeah. that that's what we're going to like. Instead of um, having you know like systems put in place where people can be tested and we're tracking it, sort of uh, people as humans, it's like oh right, 
it was well, like all technology where it's like people are like, we're not going to use whatever deep fakes to trick people or whatever. And in this case, it's like we are using people's in anonymous, as far as they tell us, cell phone data to track the spread of disease. So we are already doing it. it it's just, I don't know. It's just sort of like that's another creepy element where it's like, oh, yeah, we couldn't track the disease in like a humane way because we just don't want to bother so right. of course it's going to default to these technologies that everyone's been talking about how we're going to misuse them I, I, eventually, you know. Right. So I don't know. It's it's really creepy. Mm. Well, speaking of creepy, uh, I did want to just check in on the <laughs> Jerry Falwell Jr. story. Boy, uh, story yeah, of the week, if you ask me. It's really, so it's getting dark. Um yeah, the, now we're in just full-on sexual assault territory. Yeah, Becky Falwell, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr.'s wife, allegedly sexually pursued her son's friend, uh, went into his room while he was sleeping, pulled his pants down, and uh, performed oral sex on him, uh, and then like kept like messaging him. He sent uh, Politico screen caps of like messages where she was saying you know, just very flirty things to her, to him. And then apologizing after the fact to wounds that she may have caused. And it just seems like this is going into a dark place of like sexual predator and the people around them enabling the behavior. Yeah. Age. I feel like, uh, cause I, I guess the, um, yeah, the, the Falwell sort of dismissed this story and mm -hmm. they described it as a false and fantastic claim. And it's like, if you did something, the one thing you can't do is come out and say it didn't happen. Like, we will find out if this guy, if what he's saying is true, which is like, she pursued him for months. She Facebooked him. She sent him gifts. I, how do you think that we're going to get around that? I, I don't know. I think it, it's like a level of arrogance. I guess they had it about this whole, like, you have to be arrogant in order to, like, tell people not to do certain things sexually. And then you're doing them at the same time. Right. But it's like, boy, I, I just don't know how... To be like, no, that thing that there's clear evidence of didn't happen. I don't know who's going to believe you. Like, I don't know yeah. in your mind how you're rationalizing coming out like that. I don't know. Well, I think oh. was at that point you're you're built like that, and the predation yeah. is just yeah. it's all about that. So there is no, I think, consideration of what's lawful or moral. It's like this is these are my yeah. desires, and I'm going to act out on them, and then just do the thing that we see all kinds of like super transgressor predator type people do is just immediately just be unequivocal and be like, no, nah, it never happened. I don't know what you're talking about. Never happened. No, nah, that's fake. So eh. yeah, you're that right. Maybe a text, but I wasn't talking about, uh, when I was telling him to get his bangs cut, that was just purely, uh, you know, aesthetic advice or something. Yeah. You don't want to cover up those killer eyes of yours. And you know, the bandana drives me wild. Perfectly, uh, reasonable conversation for your friend's mother to be, uh, yeah. hitting you up with. Jesus. Yeah. So anyways, and a lot of this is like Liberty University students. So it's really using their position of power to uh, prey on on people who are kind of at their will. Uh, yeah. Or at, under their spell. And not to be like everyone who goes to Liberty University is a, you know, evangelical or a super Christian or raised that way. But I do think it speaks to like the their I'm assuming their student body does tend to be people who have been raised to a respect authority. They probably have not been given like a coherent sexual education or been Pretty talking about consent. Yeah. Again, that's a generalization, but I do think that like having like a super religious focus. I mean, I went to Notre Dame, which is very Catholic and that is that I mean, even that which is like pretty, you know what I mean? Like they were, they were giving us some information, but like you aren't you, it's sort of like your student body are almost like you're making them more vulnerable to people like this. If you are teaching them to unequivocally, um, go along with certain rules. You know what I mean? Right. Like this, and this is an example of like, she was able to probably manipulate this person because he's like, I mean, she wouldn't do anything wrong. Like they're both a moral and a, uh, you know, a, a educational authority. So I guess, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, you're setting those kids up yeah, right. by not, by not treating them and giving them information they need. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, similar to a lot of what you see in the Catholic church scandals, uh, right. That are coming out more and more that, a lot of this abuse was happening at a time when the local priest was just like an authority figure beyond. It was just like, well, yeah, the yeah. priest, like just ask the priest, he'll tell you what to do. Yeah. And, and the Falwells, I mean, their whole thing is acting like a moral authority. And that's right. like why this whole thing is so ridiculous. Uh, first of all, ridiculous, but then also, of course, they're like this. 
Like, right. it, because once you have made yourself a moral authority, you could rationalize anything. Right. Yeah. Like, well, I'm 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 the one who's in the right, so I'm allowed to do X, Y, and Z, even if yeah. it hurts other people. I'm saving these other people, and yeah, give myself the latitude to do other things. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about why uh, it's actually the city people who are evil, and the Ooh. rural uh, people who are who are the good ones. Love that Jeffersonian tension, baby. Mm. <laughs> and we're back, and uh, so. We watched One Bedroom and The Lost Husband. Miles, you want to kick it off? Uh, you guys, since Hallie watched One Bedroom or most of One mm-hmm. Bedroom, yeah. you guys want to talk about that I mean, about Hallie, you're, you like a little bit of this genre of film. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, uh... You know, I, I would love to hear you uh, you break it down up until where you saw it and you know to hear a professional talk about it a little bit. Oh, well, I, I can't claim to be professional, but so far, One Bedroom, <laughs> I love it. As someone who was just looking for a One Bedroom in L.A., I was really invested in the search. I was like, I hope she, I hope she does get it. I know it's such a nightmare. And I also think, like, uh, so I'm, I'm, I lived in New York for 13 years, then I just moved here uh, to move with my boyfriend. And it was interesting because he's from California, and he's lived here for the same amount of time in L.A. And, like, his standards of living are higher because I'm living in New York, I'm like, oh, right. it's not filled with rats. Great, you know. <laughs> and so in the, you know, uh, in the movie, um, it's sort of a new a, a girl who's new to the city. She wants to be a costume designer. Moves in, finds a one bedroom, huge. You know, she's working as a temp. She really lucked out. So I understand why she leapt on this this place. Um, and yeah, are there pipes constantly banging in the middle of the night? Did her door get left open? Is there a lot of creepy stuff st- seeming to happen? At least the parts that I watched. Yeah. But again, you have to look at, like, I'd be like, great, you know, like, okay, sure, right. s- someone's coming into my apartment when I'm asleep. Well, they're not doing anything, you right. know, and we're, we, we get a parking space included, you know? So right. I feel like, um, I, but I, to, your, to, the, to your point, yeah, it is interesting because you have the horror of moving to the city, but then you also have a lot of horror, the cabin in the woods, we're, mo- we're going to start a new life, something tragic happened in the first 10 minutes of the movie, and now we're moving to a country house where we could heal as a family, uh-oh, there's some, there's a monster or whatever. So right. I guess it's like, yeah, a different kind of, the different kind of isolation between a city isolation and like a l- remote uh, physical isolation. And this yeah. is a, a movie about I, being isolated in a city. Yeah, it's really interesting because, yeah, like these steps, like sh- this apartment building, essentially, you find out is just this massive cult thing that this mm-hmm. guy, some psychologist created like this book about the new community and how like mm-hmm. it's built on these four pillars of openness and truth and da, 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 da. And you know, this woman goes from thinking she's a nice apartment to her cat being thrown in the oven. And then she's getting like the, literally the stigmata uh, or getting like, like, yo, there's some wild scenes that not, not even that they're like so graphic, but you're just sort of like, this is so odd. Like yeah. where the whole thing is like, we want to help you find mm-hmm. new happiness. So, maintain this stress position, physically stressful position against a wall for hours at a time until we break you. And then eventually, like, you know, it's about her getting out of it. But it was kind of funny, like, the steps of it. It was like, it just seemed like any person moving to L.A. who's, like, trying to get into comedy, like, you moved to L.A., somehow joined a cult mistakenly because some other people you were around were like, oh, it's a good idea. Check it out. You might get some work. Uh, Then she goes on a podcast where two dudes ask her about her sex life, uh, which is really just this scene. I honestly, Jack, I was like, she's going on a podcast because there's a moment where part of her like, you know, indoctrination reprogramming process is like her going into this room where she's having a lie detector test. But the way the room's set up, it has like sound panels and like a wooden wall. (laughs) And there's a mic on a stand that's just to talk into. And I, I was watching with Her Majesty. I was like, we both are like, is she going on a podcast? Now? Oh my god! Because like visually, it was set up like that, and they're like, "Tell us about your first sexual experience." And I'm like, "This is a very dark, weird version of someone trying to get into acting or comedy in LA." I uh, mean, just with like yeah. weirder shit. And then she ends up with a broken older man because the community like makes her be this new guy's wife. Yeah, uh, it really yeah. reminded. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming uh, not to be like, oh, it was probably based on this, but have you guys been, or did you guys start watching The Vow, that uh, documentary uh, about Nexium on HBO? No, but I I was seeing a lot of the parallels. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and it's funny because watching that too, uh, it's which is about Nexium, which is sort of like it was a self-help group as all the cults begin, and then eventually 
uh, these women were being sex trafficked, uh, um, essentially, and manipulated by the uh, two people in charge of it. And watching it, you're like, how are people still falling for it? But I guess if you are lonely and you really want meaning, which is, I guess, the point of this movie, too, is like, you will sit there and you will pay $1,000 to be a part, like, go to some self-help seminar and you will wear a sash and be like, oh, well, now I'm at this level or whatever. It's like, in our year 2020, how are people still falling for that? And the answer is like, there's a, it's almost like a mathematical code. It's like, yeah, if you were able to, like, isolate someone and and if they're vulnerable, then you could make, I guess basically it's like if somebody tells you I have the answer and no one has ever thought of it before, that's a cult you have to get out of there. Right, Nobody right. has the answer to life and 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 they certainly didn't just discover it and now you have to pay $1,000 or, or whatever. You have to move into, uh, live with the person they've assigned you or something. Right. When I was watching, like they're like one of the first scenes, like establishing shot, establishing shot of LA and then like this woman pulls up to a house, says open house and she like walks into this like, very LA apartment building with like a central courtyard that has a pool. And it's like the most eighties LA looking apartment. Mm-hmm. Like if you know LA, you'd be like, okay, they, Melrose this, place. This, no, 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 not nice like that. Like <laughs> oh, one of those, yeah. like ones you like move into, like, you know, when you like East Hollywood, if you have like okay. your first apartment around there kind of spot. And the, I was immediately tipped off when like she walks in this building and all the neighbors are out, like, like yeah. having fun. I'm like, nah, nah, nah. I don't, I don't fuck with any of this. I right. would just be as a tenant. I was like, <laughs> I don't like a building where y'all are socializing this much. This is already off putting. This is LA. We do not talk to each other here. <laughs> That's the rule in LA. Yeah. And this is a cult. I felt it in my bones, but that was just more, I think, my LA native mind of being put off by socializing. Yeah. Okay. Did where is yeah. she moving from in at the beginning? Not clear. The country? Or it's not Her clear. Da- her dad definitely was like, I'll get on a flight. So it's far enough yeah. away that it's like not California or like a surrounding state. It seems like she's like the Midwest or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 So I think the thesis of The Lost Husband is uh, that mm-hmm. cities and even suburbs are evil and the country wow. is pure and good and the only place to raise a family. It's sort of the like the opposite side where it's kind of... Uh, you know, country porn a little bit. Like it's just mm-hmm. like r- people running through fields and kids playing <laughs> entirely. Is there a close up of fingertips on wheat? You better goddamn believe there <laughs> is, Miles. <laughs> Why? With yeah. like the like sunbeams breaking through. Like and a, that like was nice... one of the shots where because I was like the whole time I was categorizing in my mind like. That's a shot that could have been B-roll that they just got from like a medication right. ad. That's a shot that like could Ozempic, have been like Ozempic, right? Right, and that w- that was one of the ones where I was like, "That's actually more cinematic than a lot of the other, like because <laughs> because it is just a ripoff of the uh, shot from Gladiator." Gladiator. So it starts with a woman and her two children, a widow and her two children, going to live on a farm, uh, and they're leaving behind her mother, who's like chain smoking in the beginning and just like giving them the meanest mug ever. And so at first she's like really rude. She's like texting and being super rude Mm -hmm. about like her dead uncle's art, her, her aunt's like, and he made that piece of art. She's like, yeah, it's certainly rustic. It's just like, oh no, damn, you're the protagonist. That's city people, man. Yeah, we got to show a turn, man. We got to, we got to, we got to put them up there so we can see that turn happen, right? But the first half is like watching slow TV, like the thing, oh, from Scandinavia, from Scandinavia, where they just like show the front, the view of like a train going through the country. It's just (laughs) like nothing is happening. I checked the time that was left like probably five times during the first act. I was just like, how is this making time slow down? That's amazing. Um, But then like things start happening and they introduce like these plot mysteries at the midpoint and Hmm. to the point that in the second half, I was like, wait, how are they going to solve all of this with just like 15 minutes left? It's just... So, first of all, like the love interest, Josh Dumel, at like halfway through, I was just like, oh shit, this dude is like a full prepper. He's like, oh, you, sh- you shouldn't send your kids to college. You should just teach them how to hunt and fish and hotwire cars for when the apocalypse comes. Oh, like boy. if this. Wait, w- he legit says that? He legit says those oh. words to the point that he, the next thing he would have said, 
in reality would have been, have you heard about Q drops? Uh, I want to tell <laughs> right, you, right, right. Yeah. I want to tell you the truth about America. Right. Oh God. It's you heard a pandemic. Yeah. There's a woman uh, who is the like they have black people exist in this movie, so that's cool in this small town. Uh, and there's one woman named Sunshine who like communes with spirits. Uh, so magical black woman. Uh, oh, they have a magical Negro in this film. Yeah. Oh boy. And wow! Look at them. Yeah. Okay. She is a young, the daughter of the boyfriend of the older aunt, uh, the widowed daughter aunt. Of the boyfriend of the yeah. So oh, okay. boy, I, so I'm her just gonna father. Go with you. Her father is uh, the. <laughs> I think he's the mayor from The Wire. The she. Oh guy. yeah, yeah. So uh, he's great as always, uh, but. She is a singer-songwriter who uh, the, the protagonist like, what are you doing in this small town? She's like, I went to L.A., but just basically like chewed me up and spit me out. I like she became an alcoholic while she was there, like just immediately the city just completely corrupted her. Uh, yeah, I have some. I have some bad news about small towns and alcoholism. Right, like, that's what they're yeah. trying to allege. It's like I don't. I don't think it's a geographic situation. I think you could be pretty much anywhere. It's and, this uh, could be sponsored content for FarmersOnly.com. It's just it ugh. only oh, wow. shows you now that that rom com I would like. Right, <laughs> but there's it's it also has like porn esque setups with just no porn. It's just the <laughs> them hanging out and being awkward. But it's interesting to me that this movie, which doesn't have anything very special about it, has been so popular. It suggests that like there is this undercurrent of that Jeffersonian, like agrarian, uh, first urban, yeah, like that mindset is real, is real and out there, um, and people really believe that the city is super evil. Um, I think like it's interesting because like all the things that are that they think of as evil are just like failures of social planning and like society. Like course. I feel like people yeah. talk about like there's homeless people everywhere. I'm like, yeah, man, they're just living here. Yeah, it's like, not because people in the city are like, ah, homelessness, fuck yeah, yeah, let's beat off. Like what? What is the like? That's what <laughs> yeah. we're into. Like that's why it exists. Because right. we... <laughs> yeah, it's just like that's obviously all propaganda. That, but in terms of like physical, I would love to go to a farm or like be in a rural, like a more uh, natural setting right now because it's like, oh yeah, we're just can't leave right. our apartments. So I understand that part of like, oh, the fantasy yes. of going into the to a small town and having a nice house with a porch. But you know, everyone's they got alcoholics, they got people who are you know like if not homeless, almost homeless. Even we have problems all over. So right. like that, the idea of the small town has all is always been a fantasy. Oh yeah. And just different problems. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's a couple of really great moments of the scenes with the kids are like a person without kids idea of having fun with kids. <laughs> like there's one scene where they're like making cheese and they're just all like laughing their heads off and being like, ah, too much salt. <laughs> just a little salt. Ah, this would. Oh, no. Just like it reminded me of like the, you know, the part in Groundhog Day where like Bill Murray kind of gives up and becomes manic and is just yeah, like yeah, right, right, right. running through the and is just <laughs> everyone's like really weirded out by it. Like that's kind of what it felt like. At one point the protagonist is uh pitchforking hay around, but it's like you can tell that during the preparation for that scene she didn't consider the actual purpose of this job. Because she's just like picking up the hay and like flinging it into the air, and it's the it's very strange. Uh, what do you got going there? Just you know, doing some of this farm <laughs> just, stuff, just flinging. But it does grow on you. About halfway through, I was ready to stop, but by the end, I don't know. I was I was on yeah. board. Wait, so does it have anything to do with her husband? Like, is she being haunted, or is there like she's not a... being haunted? Her husband, it's it's kind of a mess. Like her. In that, like, her husband died in a car accident. You feel like there's going to be some revelation where, like, she was partially responsible right, or, like, yeah. something, like, uh, deeper at work there. But it turns out she just feels responsible because 
uh, he usually didn't take their daughter to school, and like it's not very a very realistic like moral quandary. Right. Uh, she did yeah. cut his brake lines before. She <laughs> did, but like she, that's not what she feels guilty about. She's yeah. <laughs> there's a there's a great farmers market scene where like her friends from Houston show up and. Uh, are just like, do I look old? Do I need new Botox? And the other one's like, no, oh you look great from the last Botox that you had. And the other friend's like, I haven't had Botox forever. I need to catch up with you on my Botox. Like, like the it's drinking. Like that's what they're right. had. Like they're talking about uh, pounding beers <laughs> in a fraternity or something. Um, it's very clear and its point of view on the country versus the city. Uh, there's yeah. also her mom is like this evil figure who like has been married five times and, uh, you know, oh, is very the worldly. The devil's wife. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and Holy shit. It's, it's wild. Um, Did it ever at any point, like, will it make you feel good? Or you yeah. have to be a city hater by for the this end, to make you feel good. No, by the end, like it, it casts its spell. It does a it does a fine oh. job. Uh All right. yeah. But fine job. Fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine enough. It's a fine. <laughs> I didn't know where it was. I thought it was like the Pacific Northwest, and then you find out halfway through it's in Texas. Um, so not uh, really portraying a very clear or that might just be my my dumb brain. But overall, who knows where they shot it? You right. Know? Yeah, yeah. Shot it in Toronto or something. Yeah. yeah. Wherever the tax breaks are the best. But it's just a, it's interesting because this is, like you were saying, like we're seeing real estate prices like really shoot up in rural areas and uh, plummet in cities. And I think this ties into like this overall fantasy that like, got to get away from the cities because I'm watching CNN, these uprisings. And also like, you know, there's, Farms where you can go out and get fresh air and not have to interact air, not with, deal with people. People not have to deal with oppressed people trying seeking right. equality. Right. Exactly. Oh, God, I love the country. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like how can I escape from dealing with all these societal yeah. issues that we have to address? Basically, yeah. right. where can I retreat to the comfort of classic whiteness? <laughs> ah, rural America. It's very yeah. much that. Very much. We're the only black people. I'm going to give you a hard time because you don't have a BLM sticker on your car. And right. they'll give you a whimsical tarot card reading. <laughs> Some shit. So anyways, uh, it's I, I get 10. why it's popular. 10 out of 10 for sure. Uh, I would say for anyone who has thought about who has been to L.A., check out one be one bedroom. It's look, it's not great. And it also it's so predictable. Like, you know, it feels like a lifetime movie. Uh, and you'll. I don't know. It's I, I think it's funny that anyone who's like moved here in pursuit of like entertainment because there's yeah. just moments where I was like, this could you could kind of see this as like this really weird take on like trying to get in the biz. But yeah, sort I, of that's what I into t- this building. Yeah, I'm really enjoy- obviously I haven't finished it, but I'm really enjoying it so far. And I think it is because like I just moved to L.A. this year and I'm right. like, what, 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 you know, I had to get a one bedroom. What would I deal with? What would I put up with? <laughs> right, right, it's right. like, would I join a cult in, or- in order to have like a reasonably priced one bedroom? Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. I would. <laughs> I'm, I'm very sympathetic. Right. Well, Hallie, it's been a pleasure having you on the Daily Zeitgeist. Where can people uh, find you and follow you? Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Hallie Kiefer. And um, you could follow updates about our my new podcast, Ruined, with Allison Leiby at, at on Twitter at Ruined Podcast. And we drop new episodes every uh, Tuesday. And uh, if you have any suggestions, please just tweet me, like uh, movies you'd like to do or things you'd like to see from us because we just launched. So any feedback is good feedback. Oh, except don't be mean. Please don't be mean. <laughs> but anything that's not mean, we, we'd love to hear from What's you. What's the premise of the show? So uh, I love horror movies and my co-host is very scared and squeamish about them. Um, so basically every episode, I sort of recount to her a, a different horror movie and then she reacts to it based on my telling of it. So she scores it essentially how scary she finds it based on my storytelling abilities. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we have uh, we've already done The Ring, Candyman, and The Babadook, all all wonderful movies. Oh, and, so she never um, sees the movies; she just gets your take on them. 
Yeah, and it's funny because, like, I am sort of like, well, you know, just watch them. You know what I mean? But then there are certain movies where I'm like, I understand why you don't want to see someone decapitated. Like, right. especially, like I'm sympathetic <laughs> right. to, like, you know, I want to be. It's like she's a sweet, kind woman. And I, I'm i like, I, you know, I understand why someone might not right. want to see this. So, right. but yeah, but, but if you also, I think it's fun for, like, horror fans. Like, if you've already seen the movies, every Friday we post. Like, today we'll post what the movie is for next week. So you can nice. watch beforehand in case what, that's um, more your jam. What, would it drive you crazy if I uh, asked you what your top three horror movies are? No, I, you know, I've thought a lot about this. I think uh, it, what's hard is like I, I tend to rate movies I saw as a child or a teenager way higher because yeah. I was so much more scared. Yeah, and Teen now Wolf obviously like top five movies for me, so I get it. Yes, so I say like I think like Hereditary might be the like one of my top three in terms of scariness, but in terms of like movies, I'm much more like I, movies I want to rewatch over and over again. In which case I would say the poltergeist, the exorcist and the ring, the American version of the ring. But that might change tomorrow because I feel like those are the movies I could just put on and watch again. Right. And versus, say, like Hereditary or I don't know, like certain movies where it's like I've, I found them the scariest, but I'm not going to just casually put them on. You right. know, so yeah, yeah. I think it just depends on what are you actually in the mood to be genuinely scared or are you like, I just want to slip into a pool of the poltergeist and watch the cameraman rip his face off and really right. just enjoy myself. Yeah. Yeah. My- <laughs> just enjoy myself to that. that <laughs> yeah. I mean, the still photos of Tony Collette's contorted scream face from Hereditary. I was like, enough, like I can't watch that. Yeah. Nope. And the thing is, that's- you're right. That's that's a movie where it's like, I, I mean, watch it if you feel like you can. But if not, I completely understand why you wouldn't. It's gen- It's viscerally scary. Because everyone said it's like you don't understand, like it's just scarier <laughs> for a different reason, just because it will just yeah. freak you out. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I can yeah. barely watch the, the ring high, so you know what? Ugh. Catch me uh, on the movies one. high, or like talk about my fucking exact <laughs> nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Don't say this out loud, Jack. The CIA is gonna know how to fuck with you. <laughs> um, send the girl from the ring to your house yeah they're gonna do yeah that, she's got long hair that is a actual acrobat or maybe it's not her but the that like backwards crab walk they actually hire an acrobat to do that because uh that's mm. like a practical Chef's effect fish. um yeah Chef's the iconic fish. horror movie crab walk <laughs> Scary every time. Iconic crab walk. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know why that turned into <laughs> Wait, Hallie, I forgot to ask you, is there a tweet or some other work of social oh, media you've yes. been enjoying? Um, so this is uh, the dumbest tweet I, I thought I, I liked recently, and it's from my boyfriend Dave Schilling. He's great. Follow him on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. And it's a photo of Pitbull, mm-hmm. and it says, Pitbull's birth name is actually Pete Bull. <laughs> and that's it. It's just so stupid. So I, I really enjoyed that one. Oh, man. I heard him laughing, and then he will often laugh at his own tweets, and then I'll look, and I'll be like, oh, it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Okay. <laughs> oh, you mean the dumbest thing ever? Congrats. Yeah, yeah congratulations. You've, you've done it again. That's so uh, funny. Uh, Miles, where can people find you? What's tweet you've been enjoying? Twitter, Instagram, at Miles of Gray. Also, my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance. Sophia Alexandra and I is getting high, talking about 90 Day Fiance, because that's, just, you know, that's how... I don't watch horror movies. I watch horrible mm-hmm. reality TV. Uh, I, I can't I watch like. that. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's it's a different. Scary, works on man. you a different way. I know. Yeah. It's funny how there's some people who are like, it's just too cringy. It's too weird. Like, I don't like it. Yeah. It's just, it's like these people's lives are in chaos. I'm like, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> exactly. And it's real. It's not a script. <laughs> so maybe in that way, I'm into some darker shit. Uh, a tweet I like is from at uh, Jacob D. Welch. Uh, the tweet is, when Shania Twain says, let's go, girls. I'm like ready to run through a wall, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the the energy in that in the beginning of that song, if you could just bottle that shit, man. <laughs> Couple tweets I've been enjoying. Red Drop Shoddy at Hoff tweeted, imagine your car decline at Subway and they start disassembling that shit in front of you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just like oh, shit. Oh, disappointed devastating. Oh, oh, it's so uh, stupid what a stupid <laughs> ass joke but I love that shit because I love Subway and that would fuck me break my heart and I'll be like how are you going to take apart that tuna it's all wet ingredients just give just it to me please it back in scraping it off 
Uh, Doing the little uh, like ice cream scooper for the tuna to take the tuna right. back. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, oh, no. where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song We Ride Out on Miles. What are we riding out on today? Okay, let's get some let's get some beats going, some toe tapping, moving. Um, this is a producer and musician, CK Man, who is a Ghanaian high life artist from way back. Uh, but there's this album I was listening to. It's called The Medleys Part Two, and this one track, ooh boy, it's thirteen minute, thirteen and a half damn minutes. But wow. I'm, find this song and play it. You will get through whatever chores you have to do with a smile on your face. Trust me. you got to water your plants, do some lawn mowing, laundry, whatever it is. Like, pop this in or just blast it on your speakers. Uh, the, the track is called? called... It's called... Well, there's a few names. So, uh, sir, it's As- Asafo Bisuon slash Obaya slash Ayeme Bone. Okay, so just search A-S-A-F-O B-E-E-S... U-O-N and C-K Man like uh, Calvin Klein C-K Man M-A-N-N anyway check the footnotes good footnotes because you know that's where the track's going to be but this is such a toe tapper I'm telling you and it's really wonderful and the and the, oh my, the rhythm section just goes so hard you might just you might have to call a doctor <laughs> alright we're going to ride into the week on that the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio for more podcasts from iHeartRadio visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows that's gonna do it for this episode we'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending and we'll talk to y'all then bye